Welcome to the Felon File Podcast. A review of historical true crime in the Appalachian Mountains and elsewhere. Hosted by Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, author, and researcher. Greetings and salutations, and welcome back to another episode of The Felon File, a podcast, as Victoria said, where we look at crime and punishment, the good guys, the bad guys, unusual incidents that have happened in the Appalachian Mountains, usually crime-related, court cases, and we go sometimes beyond the Appalachians to look at some interesting cases that we come across. And this is one of those. This is a shade of blue story from 1887 from Indiana. It's a story about a tragic crime, a lookalike missing person, and a headless corpse. And the interesting part of this shade of blue story is that it is true. It really happened. Now, some of you may have seen Recently in the media, a young lady in Poland is stating that she is the daughter of a couple from England who disappeared in the islands. That's creating some issues for the family as well as law enforcement who were investigating. Although I understand investigators in Poland are saying that it does not work out. This young lady is got some other issues but she is definitely not the missing young lady who disappeared 10 years ago as i said our shade of blue story starts near delphi indiana a small community on the wildcat creek banks of august 1886 and what's a good story without a without a pretty young lady. Not only is she a pretty young lady, but she's also the pretty young lady, the farmer's daughter, a very well-off farmer. Miss Lula Mabbitt was a beautiful young lady that Walnut Grove itself was actually very proud of. Lula's primary suitor was not a handsome and ambitious businessman from Delphi or the other towns that might be close by. This was much to the dismay of the Mabbitt family, mom and dad. In addition, unlike his girlfriend's father, we, he could have been a more hard-working and honest farmer from the Wabash Valley, even if he didn't have a lot of money. But our young lady's boyfriend was a Mr. Abner Green. And this is how he was described from the media sources of the day. He was considered a stupid, good-for-nothing troublemaker who probably came from a long line of chicken thieves and farm workers with weak minds. Ouch. Abner Green one evening drove his carriage to the young lady's house in a jealous rage after he'd found out that Miss Mabbitt had rejected him and his offers. Abner Abner grabbed Lula, put her in the carriage, and carried her away after threatening the mother. 
The following day, Abner went home on his own by himself. He exited the carriage and let go of his horse and vanished. At least that's how the story in the press was publicized originally. Everyone thought the pretty farmer's daughter had been abducted and probably killed. A search party was formed and a trail leading to Wildcat Creek, a tributary of a larger river nearby. The locals believed that Lulu's body would be found nearby after tracking Mr. Abner Green. Now, in the end term, some crowds went to the Green residence believing Abner's mother knew where the girl was. They tied a rope around the elderly woman's neck and threatened her with immediate death. Basically, they were going to lynch her if she did not reveal where her son was hiding. And, of course, as angry mobs tend to do, they kind of got out of hand. However, their anger was unprofitable. Mrs. Green remained silent. No mother would abandon her son, no matter what her child had done. Well, that's what the newspaper wrote. You may see some of that today, but you also may see some moms bringing their kids in after it's been determined that they have done something wrong. You see that in the modern press all the time. Another one of Lula's boyfriends, a Mr. John Yerkes, disappeared as well about this same time. The mob had to settle for the arrest of William Walker, who was a local boy who happened to call on Lula's twin sister the night of her abduction because there wasn't evidence to go or pick on anyone uh, as far as a court case goes. Now, it was decided by the crowd that Walker was Abner Green's accomplice and was taken into custody. They also locked up Miss Green, the mother. Both of them booked into the Logansport County Jail. Six months after Lula Mobbit went missing, a badly decomposed body was discovered in the Wabash River on a Sunday, February 7, 1887. The father, mother, and the twin sister of our missing girl looked at the body on a Friday morning at the coroner's inquest and determined that it was the missing girl's body. The court of public opinion decided that Abner Green must have must have strangled his girlfriend. And the next point they thought would be to put him on the gallows. But of course, naturally all they had to do was find him first. News reports stated that there was a genuine possibility that the Mobbits had incorrectly identified the body though. They had to look at a bloated corpse's teeth to identify it because the body they saw had been badly decomposed and horribly mutilated six months after the girl disappeared. When Miss Mobbit saw the teeth, she laughed and exclaimed, That's my daughter. Ella, the twin sister, also confirmed this identification by stating that the corpse and she both had a crooked lower jaw tooth. A researcher by the name of R.F. Songgrass would later demonstrate that although they looked alike, identical twins did not have identical teeth. Of course, this revelation didn't come out till 1982. Abner Green's clothing scraps discovered near Wildcat Creek, or what they thought were Abner Green's clothing scraps, were also brought into the inquest. 
The Green family was not a stranger to violence. On March 26, before our young lady disappeared, a fight broke out in a town or a small village called Young America, about 20 miles east of Delphi. This is six years before Mabbitt vanished. William A. Green, Abner's brother, shot and killed a man during the fight. Chicago-based Pinkerton Detective Agency believed that William had eluded capture with the assistance of his brother. There were rumors that both men were hiding out in Texas. GTT, gone to Texas. There were, there were not very many specifics that the Pinkertons had to back that up. Although additionally, the Mavitt's initial account of the two's relationship was incorrect. According to the Pinkertons, they had discovered information that indicated that the two appeared to be on their way to getting married, that they had been planning a marriage for some time. Abner Green's mother was later located by the Pinkerton detectives, and after her encounter with the mob who had tried to lynch her herself and being locked up in jail until they finally had to let her loose, she left Indiana and went to Ohio. She refused to talk to the detectives once more. The Pinkerton detectives followed her around for a while, but were very unsuccessful in, in developing any more leads. Pinkerton traced the Green Brothers' trail to Denson, Texas, only to discover that they had disappeared as a result of his brother's death at the hands of a street gang. A letter was received by the father of Abner Green and his brother, the father happened to be in Chicago in Juliet Penitentiary at the time, forwarded the letter on to his wife. Now she got the letter. According to that letter, Abner Green had been hiding in Kansas. The father asked that the mother forward him about $200 immediately to their son there at an address in Kansas. Now, Mom ended up giving the letter to the Pinkerton detectives were staking out various locations because she thought it was a scam and someone was trying to rip her off. Well, the Pinkertons did something a little unusual for them. They made contact with the sheriff in Ohio, the local sheriff there, who went out to a farm that the $200 was supposed to be sent to, and lo and behold, they located Abner. And the local sheriff there took him into custody and held him till, until the charging agency could be dispatched to pick him up and transport him back to Logansport, Indiana. Sheriff Wallace escorted William Green to the county jail in Logansport, and Abner Green was accompanied by a deputy sheriff, J.B. Buck Stanley. Now, it didn't take long for the word to get around that the two Green brothers were back in town, and a crowd of about three to 400 men from the various counties who were pretty well ticked off at the two brothers surrounded the jail. Deputy Sheriff Stanley promised that he would do everything in his power to safeguard the prisoners and ensure that they received a fair trial. You have one Deputy Sheriff J.B. Buck Stanley against about three to 400 other people. 
Now, on July 17th, more than 20 heavily armed guardsmen were sent to the jail to help stop a what was referenced as a bloodthirsty crowd, which had grown to, at that point, over a thousand people. Governor Isaac Gray was made aware of this, and he sent a telegram to the police asking them to do everything possible to stop the rioting. Things slowed down at least for a little while. However, three days later, it was discovered that Lula Mabbitt's body had been stolen from the Springvale Cemetery, where she had been buried. Now, many of the crowd, the thousand or so people that gathered there, had decided that the missing body might possibly lead to Abner Green being acquitted of the crime of murder that they, without a doubt, sure that he had done all part of some ghastly conspiracy uh, the angry crowd was not aware that our victim Miss Mabit's dad had actually been the one that disinterned his daughter he had removed her body he had taken the body to a dentist named Patterson and advised or instructed the dentist to remove Lula's head from her body to make a plaster cast as a memorial. That was kind of weird. A strange thing that could have happened. Beyond bizarre on numerous levels. First of all, you have to know she'd been dead for over, for a little over a year. Including six months she had been supposedly floating in the Wabash River, which I really don't see that being the case. You probably wouldn't want a plaster cast made from her current condition. And of course, there is the issue that Lula had a sister who was an identical twin and was still quite healthy, not to mention being alive. Why not use her face to make a plaster cast? They do that and have been doing that for decades. Now, one of the issues was that Mr. Maybet may have not been 100% certain that the body in question was his daughter, but that's kind of speculation since the teeth were the only thing that could have been identified or used to identify the course, the body, when it was pulled from the Wabash River. Tampering with the only evidence at Green's trial was the best way to prevent a not guilty verdict. However, Dr. Patterson never cast the head in plaster, which surprised Mr. In another bizarre turn of events, he removed the jawbone from the skull, and he took it to a, get this, state dental convention, uh, and showed it around to all the attending dentists, who agreed that, that the jawbone removed, they were beyond doubt that it was not a young lady's jawbone, but it belonged to a man between the ages of 45 and 50 years old. Now, the trial of William Walker began on August 3rd, 1887. On Wednesday, although it was discovered that the jawbone had been taken from the corpse, belonged to a middle-aged male. Once again, a finger started pointing at the sister's boyfriend, Mr. Walker. And he was charged as an accomplice because he was dating the sister at the time of her disappearance. The coroner testified at 
the trial that he and four other medical professionals had examined the body after it had been recovered from the river and had no doubt about the body's sex because the genitalia was still intact. The judge was persuaded by this testimony and the identification of Green's overalls and his handkerchief that were found nearby in the creek. The fact that Walker was somehow involved in a murder that may or may not have been committed in the first place was up in air entirely. The sheriff returned Abner Green to the local jail and dispatched additional guards. Now, during a break in the trial, at one point the sheriff returned both the Green brothers to the local jail and, of course, dispatched and hired additional guards anticipating that it wouldn't be long before a conviction came across. But in the meantime, he wanted to make sure that his prisoner was safe so he could be hung. He then presented a bill to Cass County for about $4,200 for the additional cost of security. It took a while for that to be end up being paid. While waiting for the trial to start back up again, a mob of about 75 wagons and individuals on horseback, all armed to the teeth, marched on the jail, forced open the wooden door, and demanded the jail keys. The mob slammed the cell door open with a sledgehammer when Buck Stanley refused. And, of course, Green fought hard, but he was soon defeated and overpowered. The younger Green brother was tied up and thrown into the back of a wagon. The vigilantes met up with another group of about 60 more wagons at a location called Deer Creek, very close to the town. And from there, they all went to another location about seven miles east of Delphi, a place called Walnut Grove. And there they stopped at a one-room schoolhouse. Green was instructed by the mob's leader to produce Miss Maybat or perish at the schoolhouse, where two enormous fires had been started. One way or another, they were going to take care of the situation. Mr. Maybat, the father of the missing young lady and presumed murdered young woman, as Green got out of the back of one of the wagons that he had been tied up in, he faced Mr. Maybat and then told him that his daughter was still alive and living with a Mr. Samuel Payne in Fort Worth, Texas. Green responded that his attorney advised him against saying anything about it when he was asked. Now, the mob didn't buy it, though. They threw a rope around Abner's neck and then over a tree branch because they were fairly well unconvinced. One of the local newspaper men who happened to be there asked Abner Green, are you an innocent man? And Abner responded, I am an innocent man. The reporter inquired about his last words and he asked that you notify my mother, send her my body and inform her that I wish to be buried alongside my sister in Ohio. Green was then suspended between the ground and the sky when the horses gave a lurch before Green could respond. Green's body was left hanging in front of the schoolhouse till about 9 o'clock in the morning. That was before thousands of people could go by and see it. 
It was even photographed many times. There's a postcard with Abner Green's lifeless body hanging from a tree that became the most popular postcard in town over the next few weeks. The older brother, who was awaiting trial for the 1881 murder that he had committed, was about 10 miles away in Miami County, Ohio. He also ended up providing uh, reporters when asked of Miss Maybet's locations that uh, she was residing in Fort Worth, Texas. Hundreds of reporters wired Fort Worth if the two Green brothers' claims could be found to be true. The reporters found out that a Samuel Payne actually lived in Texas up until September of that year. And together with a young lady by the name of Lula, he had resided on Rusk Street. A former neighbor told reporters that the wife had moved from Indianapolis to Texas and thought her maiden name was Merritt. Husband's health deteriorated a great deal and the couple relocated to Chicago. Now whether this was really the missing young lady from Delphi has not been proven or determined. Now at the same time back in Delphi there was a rumor going around that the governor had put spies into the lynch mob to identify its leader and Mr. Maybet denied being present at the lynching when asked about it although many numerous reporters reported seeing him at the scene as well as Lulu's brother Mont and Oris. The hanging of Abner Green you would think that the story would be completed but actually it's far from that. In 1887 a young lady showed up at the Delphi train station and went to the baggage check room to ask the clerk if her trunk had arrived. She explained the box was checked when she got on the train in Fort Worth, Texas. She left the station after learning that her trunk had not been yet delivered. In reality, what had happened it had not been unloaded from the train yet. The young woman was nowhere to be found when the chest finally arrived after a few hours. Several newspaper articles at that time reported that this might actually have been the murdered missing young lady returning to Delphi for some mysterious reason. This only added to the legend of the murdered slash missing young lady. Three years later, newspapers reported that Lula's brothers, Mont and Oris Mavit, were arrested in Indianapolis for the murder of a newborn baby that had been found drowned in Eagle Creek by tying a weighted rubber boot around its neck. According to court records, the child was killed to hide the shame of the mother. He had been conceived by a barber by the name of Spilter, who gave the police the name Minnie Jones, Minnie Mabit Jones, as being the mother of the child. Lula's 17-year-old sister was actually identified as Minnie Jones by those who were familiar with the family. Father George Mabit, around 1891, was traveling, coming home from a trip, when, as rumors still circled around that he was involved in the lynching, and possibly the lynching of an innocent man, 
he was struck by lightning and killed instantaneously. Another issue that came up later was in, came up in 1901. Uh, the school where the lynching had occurred, Walnut Grove, the Walnut Grove School in Delphi had practically no students show up. No more teachers were available for the following school year because everyone quit. It appeared that the building's only flaw was that allegedly it was haunted by the restless spirit of Abner Green, who had been hung from the school's walnut tree out in front, and that his ghost still maintained his innocence. He was observed by both students and teachers, and classes were plagued by strange, unfathomable noises. Strangely, the walnut tree and the schoolyard, which once had been a large, predominant, fixture of the area and in good health it stopped producing leaves after the lynching and it soon died sightings of lula or what was referred in the newspaper of the 19 early 1900s as lula sightings kept showing up as a matter of fact in 1916 the twin sister was, was interviewed by a local newspaper and her comment was quote my sister may not have been murdered and may still be alive today, for all I know. Abner Green and my sister were arguing down the stairways and woke me up one night. Lula was discussing with Green, who requested the return of some of the gifts that he had given her. After being called out of bed, she was dressed only in a kimono and a pair of house slippers. We went back to sleep as soon as the voices stopped. Except for the ripped kimono, no trace of Lulu was ever found. She finished her story with the press by describing the unidentified remains of a body that were discovered in a creek weeks later. Really, the truth about Lula Mabbitt may never actually be known. Sadly, no one from the lynching party ever faced charges or was held accountable for their actions. Is it possible that an innocent man was hung? It was widely believed in the years that followed Green's hanging that Sheriff Buck Stanley knew the exact day and time of the lynching. This claim had even been recorded by a colleague of the police officer. The strange disappearance of Lula Maybet Walnut Grove's pride in the Bell of Delphi. Will it ever come to an end? It's interesting in modern times, when you think about it, is it possible that somebody doing DNA testing could finally solve this missing person case slash murder? Did the young lady disappear and was murdered? Or did she disappear and just stay gone? The story might be worth a second look by some of these forensic DNA scientists or TV shows that are out there. I'm just throwing that out. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you found the murder in Delphi, or was it a murder, interesting. And we'll come back next week for some more Shade of Blue stories here on The Felon File. In the meantime, check out our website, scottlunsfordauthor.com, where you can find my books and a few other things there, or go to felonfile.com, where you can find links to this podcast and some other information. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us through contacts at those websites. 
Also, remember in the coming weeks, if you have the opportunity, help somebody out. Do something good for somebody. It's really the right thing to do. Also, remember to stay safe and secure. And again, come on back next week. All right, Victoria, you've got the control panel. I'm going to zap it back to you. You finish us out, and we'll talk to you all later. Bye, y'all. This has been a Shade of Blue story on the Felon File podcast. With your host, Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, author, and researcher. Go to felonfile.com for more information. This is Victoria, your producer.